Welcome to the Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast, where business leaders tell their stories and share their insights. All our guests have a personal connection with Nottingham Business School. So listen, learn, enjoy and share. Stone has been a broadcaster for more than 30 years. In that time, he has occupied managing editor and group director roles on both the global and capital national radio networks. He ended up as program director of the Smooth Radio National Network. He's also helped launch the radio careers of scores of other broadcasters, including Kate Garraway and Andrew Castle. Dick Stone, welcome to this episode of the Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast. Thank you, Mike. It's good, good to be here. Now, I read somewhere that you've uh, been involved in the birth of 15 different radio stations in the last three decades. Mm-hmm. So what are, what are the particular leadership challenges of starting a new business or brand? Well, I mean, uh, I was also uh, at the death of nine of them. Um, but, <laughs> but, I mean, they tended to morph into something else. So there was always a leadership challenge in that. I think the, big, the biggest thing um, is understanding that the devil is in the detail. I mean, that's a glib phrase that a lot, a lot of people will use, um, but it is so, so true. The detail, the detail, the detail. Um, and then the realisation that you always have on the on day one of any launching any of those things, you've built up to that point where you launch something, you've, you've, you've got to the point where it's on the air or it's the product is live or whatever it is. And then there's the crushing realisation that that's just day one. And um, there's going to be a tomorrow and a day after that and three weeks after that. And then, oh, my gosh, this was a mountain that we've climbed and there's more to come. So um, I think the challenge from a leadership perspective is to maintain the team's momentum uh, because you build up to that launch point. And then once you've made, you're at the launch point, it's maintaining it and actually evolving it still forwards and finding you know new energy to do something new. Right, right, right. I got you. Now... You began your broadcasting career 40 years ago. I don't like to remind Crikey. you, but I do apologise. I don't uh, look old enough. Uh, you do, do you certainly no. don't, but I'm glad this is a podcast. <laughs> yeah, true, very um, true. You were in your teens yep. on hospital radio in Derby, um, but even there you ended up as, as head of programming. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have, you, have you always wanted to be in charge? Uh, control freak, you see. Um, <laughs> you've done your research, Mike. That's very good. Yeah, yeah I did. I, um, I was going to go to university. I didn't go to university in the end. I was going to go and be a, uh, wanted to be a uh, woodwork and geometrical engineering drawing right. teacher. That's what I wanted to do. Right. Um, and what happened was um, my parents had a, an old bush radio at home and I just got sucked into it. I repaired it for a start uh, and then started listening to the radio around, around that I could hear, um, you know, from Europe, etc. Hilversum, all of those things. Um, and I got the radio bug, but I think it was, it, it, it wasn't a case of, I always wanted to lead it. I think I always had a desire to understand how things worked. Um, and I've always had a particular interest in being at the table and having the discussion at least. And I think basically it's, it's, it's a, it's an understanding of, of the desire to want to learn. So, um, in hospital radio, for example, you know, I went there not knowing anything, never being inside a radio studio before, messing around at home. I built a kind of a, a studio in my bedroom and broadcast to the kitchen. 
um, 100% reach in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in, in, in hospital radio, it was, oh, okay, I get an idea of how this is going to work now. Um, I'd like to learn more. I'd like to be involved in the creation of stuff. And uh, then over a period of time, you end up having ideas born off the back of other people's ideas and you kind of you, know, you, you, you brainstorm stuff. Um, so it wasn't a, a case of I want to be in control. I want to be in the leadership role. It was actually I've got some ideas and people seem to be interested in them and I want to help them create them. I've always found a great amount of uh, enjoyment and, um, and passion in finding somebody else some success. Okay. So just reflecting on what you've just said there, do you think leaders are, are following their dream perhaps? They're doing something that they've always wanted to do, that they're enthusiastic about rather than just being in charge of for the sake of it, the best leaders that is? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's funny. I was just thinking ahead of doing, uh, speaking to you today, thinking what is it that, um, you know, that I could possibly kind of give forward as some kind of advice and it's it's always um i think you have to do something that you love so radio has always been a passion and you know so much of a passion of my radio and media has always been a passion of mine so um you know the point that i didn't go and do what i was going to go and do in order to follow a radio career and being in, being uh, involved in media and um, you know, don't get me wrong, there are moments in uh, my career where I've fallen out of love with, with, with radio um, and been less inspired by it than, than maybe I might have been in the past or have been since. Um, but that's about, you know, individuals and circumstance and, and you know, the environment necessarily. But I think fundamentally, um, I still get excited when I hear great radio. And I still get inspired when I hear great radio and I get a passion when I hear great radio and I hear when I get inspired when I hear people talk about it. But you spent a lot of your career um, working for one company um, mm. at the old radio trend, but the company was taken over, bought, rebranded several times. Um, is that, you know, was that, a, was that a great thrill? Is that, you know, is that constant need for staff to reinvent themselves? You know, is it, is it really exciting or does it make life particularly difficult? Um, well, I mean, there are huge challenges when that happens. Um, and, you know, in, in, in all of those iterations of that, that company that I worked at, you know, it, was, it was Radio Trent, Radio Trent Group, Midlands Radio, I think what after that, um, Capital Radio Group, GWR, GCAP, then Global, without moving, um, I was in a sort of a, 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 well, I was in a leadership role in all of those changes. And the biggest thing from all of that, from a personal perspective, is obviously you're worried about the future and what, what might happen. But then also I was worried about the team because the team was the team that I'd, I'd created and, and put together and, and, and had led. So I was worried about their futures and about their, um, their morale and their understanding of what was going to happen and how it might change and impact them. So um, then I, so I suppose I focused mainly on making sure they were okay um, and finding the right uh, leadership tactics in order to chart that, that course through that huge amount of change. Um, and and the, the person who first hired me into radio, Chris Hughes, who was um, a program controller and then managing, uh, managing director at Radio Trent, he once said to me, you know, change is the one constant. It's always going to happen. Um, 
And he also said to me some advice that has stuck into my head all these years, which is you have to remember we're, we're only hired help. Um, and, you know, we can go just as much as anybody else can go. No one is a fixture and immovable. So having that in mind, I think trying to chart that course for any individuals in that change process is, is really important. And, and trying to treat people how you would like to be treated yourself is really, really important. It's easy to say, really easy to say. It's very hard to do. And, and, and that, that empathy with, your, with, with the people who you are leading, important for a leader? Oh, I think totally. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that you shy away from making tough decisions because sometimes you have to make tough, tough decisions and you otherwise, you know, it's it's a collective and no one makes a decision and we all vote on it. But, you know, we're, a, a business isn't like that. You have to make a decision about something that is for the good of the business. And that might have a negative impact on some people that you're working that you're working with. Um but if you can make that impact, you can mitigate the downsides of that impact as much as you can. And you can see that, um, you know, they will make sure that they're OK uh, as much as you can. I think that's really important from someone who's in a leadership role. OK, so you've, you've managed regional newsrooms, you've directed radio, radio programming across national networks. In leadership terms, what's the, what's the biggest challenge you've ever faced? Oh, I think it probably is in... Um, you know, those periods of change when, you know, someone's come in and, and just pulled the rug out from underneath you or changed anything, um, changed the company, you know, changed the ethos, changed the lineup, networked everything. You know, they, I remember at one point having to have, you know, difficult conversations in one day with 21 different people, um, which was a really tough day. Um, but I, I always tried to do that with an element of grace and an element of compassion and understanding um, and ensuring that you didn't, you know, um, make the situation worse or try and be overly optimistic either. You've got to try and chart that course very carefully. And that's that's presumably 21 people who were, were going to lose their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that was a dark day. But there's been many more. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've gone into, I think one of the difficult things is going into, which happened from time to time, you know, I would be part of a management team of a group. So there will be some change happening somewhere else in the country and, you know, they need somebody um, to go in there. So, you know, I will be parachuted in and have those conversations with people that I'd never met before. Um, that was hard. Uh, but you have to... Um, I suppose all use all of the skills that you can of empathy and compassion and all of those things to have those conversations and also to be able to talk to somebody long enough so that they they, they go through the change cycle so that you know they'll 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 be shocked and there'll be anger and then they'll be um you know they'll come to terms with the point and then then see that there is an opportunity after that so um as you know this is a podcast for the Nottingham Business School as an experienced leader, um, are there things uh, that you know that students just won't find uh, mentioned in their books or on online management uh, uh, texts or, uh, and seminars? Um, I, oh, gosh, that's hard. Um, I mean, most things are written down now but uh, or somewhere online. But I think the, um, the thing that I've always tried to do, and again, this goes back to a bit of advice that um, someone gave me, which is hire great people. Uh, I mean, that that isn't new, but, you know, hire people who um, 
who will make you look good. You know, so... Um, oh, oh, I know, <laughs> I know yeah. all about that one, yes. Yeah. You know, uh, hire people that are better than you because, you know, you'll learn from them and they will propel you to a far greater position than you might do without them. Um, but then the other thing that it, that comes with that is understanding that as soon as you've hired them, they are going to leave. Um, and the biggest challenge has always been uh, I have been almost fastidious with trying to work out a, a succession plan. So you know, I've had some some really, really talented and fantastic people in my career that I've, I've had a pleasure working with. Um, but I've always been trying to work on their replacement. That's not because I didn't think they were any good, because I knew that they were good and they were going to go somewhere else. And at that point, I'll be left high and dry and I've got to find something new. So I think um, understanding that it's you're on a conveyor belt uh, and it now might be fantastic, but what, what about next? So always think about the next. Sure. And you've, and as you were saying, you, you're in a, a, a constant a position where you're constantly hiring and rehiring. I'm very familiar with that. Um, but also, as, as, as time goes on, as things change, you require, I find, you require as a leader different skills. I mean, you started your first big leadership role more than, what, quarter of a century ago. Mm. Um, again, I'm sorry to remind you, but, <laughs> but has leadership changed since then? You know, what, what are the additional skills that today's managers, today's leaders require? I think that you have to be um, mindful of the fact that there is no such thing as luck. So luck is a when a state of opportunity meets a state of readiness. You make your own luck. So you have to be ready. So it's, um, you know, I think the job of a leader is to be able to think about the, the future plan, not just the now plan, like I said. So um, you have to be mindful of that. And if you are focused on that, then you think of the next opportunity. So when that opportunity arrives, you're in a state of readiness. And it's your job as a leader to think that way um, so that you can think of the next thing that's going to happen. Um, so that you know you can continue and you can you can thrive and you can survive. Okay, and, and one of one of the one of the things that has changed very recently is the fact that people are now increasingly working remotely. Mm. What what kind of challenge does that bring for managers? Oh, I think that you have to take. I mean, maybe we're lucky. Maybe I'm lucky in being in media in that doing things remote and doing things that are either you know using one sensory skill. So you know, we're in this podcast, it's audio. So uh, we don't have the, the, the benefit for both of us of the visual, um, you know, which is a great blessing, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. Um, so, you know, we are already at a disadvantage, you would say, because, you know, most people, 90% of human communication is visual. So we only have 10%. So what we do with the 10% is really important. We have to be more powerful, therefore, to cut through and to... Um, to therefore make a uh, an impact on the listener from this podcast, um, that's doable. Absolutely, you know, we don't have the benefits of the the visual spectrum, and if we did, you know, that would be very disappointing for everybody viewing. Uh, but also, if you wanted to set a scene, we can just talk about it. We can paint a picture with words, and we have people's imaginations to play with. Whereas uh, in the visual spectrum, you have to have a set. So, so for a leader, is, 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 it, is it as simple as that? You've just got to be, you've got to plan your words better. You've got to make them better. Yeah, I think it is. But, you know, going back to the point about remote is that um, in, in, a, in a media environment, we are used to being remote. 
because we have those disadvantages. So it, working with that, I mean, when I when when we first started the start of the pandemic, working remotely completely, um, there were things that I put in place with the team that I work with that were um, designed purely for the team, not for the business reasons. So um, we would. Uh, you know, I, I'm, the time I was in a job that involved me traveling up and down the country, so I looked at, after radio stations in, um, in in Birmingham and in Bristol and in Cardiff uh, and also in Kenilworth. So traveling around all over the place, as well as occasionally to London. So I would have one-to-one meetings with all of those people, but I'd do it all on Teams. Uh, but then I would also put in a virtual tea break every day uh, at 11 in the morning for anyone to join. We wouldn't talk about work. Um, it would be just anybody in the team, no matter who it would be, can join in and we would sit and just chat about what was on TV last night or or what you're doing at the weekend or you know, to, re- to replicate and remove all of those those barriers to the office conversations that you would have that you didn't have anymore. Because the problem with working remotely is that you know a meeting happens, you have the meeting, there's no there's no before and after. And there's no communication in the office or in the in the kitchen or whatever it might be. I think what you're talking about there is is something um, uh, which we haven't touched upon yet about looking after looking after staff, uh, but also looking after yourself. I mean, you know, um, how important is it for leaders to to look after themselves? You know, how do how do they manage that that work life balance? How are they able to um, to make sure that um, they're not becoming cut off, as it were, from 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 um, from human contact? Yeah, I think that is true. I think that um, you have to have some kind of release. Um, and you also have to, particularly when you, if, if you're working remotely, um, and that's about, you know, not everyone has the opportunity to do that in terms of physical location within the you know, their home or wherever they might be working. Um, I had the, the fortunate that I could, we had, a, we had a spare room, so I set myself up in there so I could shut the door at the end of the day. And then I left work, essentially. Um so I think you do have to have a release. You have to have somewhere that you can or some way that you can switch off so that you can you can decompress really from from the everyday work cycle um, and recharge the batteries. And, and you know, uh, holidays are important. I, I always say to people, if you've got a holiday entitlement, take it um, and make sure that you switch off. You know, the, you're not at work 24-7. The work thinks that you're at work 24-7. And they can email you in the evening and they can text you in the evening and they can WhatsApp you in the evening. You don't have to reply because it's the evening. That's your time. Um, OK, some people do. Sometimes in an industry where it's a 24-7 industry, you have to have emergency situations and you have to have responses. Of course we do. And, you know, media is not one of those businesses that is a nine to five medium. So, you know, things go wrong in the middle of the night. Understand that. But it shouldn't be the norm. It's the exception rather than than the norm, but um, you know, giving people the space and the time in order to um, you know, have their evening, have their weekends, understand that if you tread in that space, you're, you are um, intruding. So act that way. Don't assume that it's okay. Yeah, I, I once had somebody who I work for, who should remain nameless, who once said about a presenter who, was, uh, who I worked with who was on holiday, and they said, look, you know, we're paying for that holiday. Well, yes, because we pay them a wage, but then they're buying the holiday, and you don't know, for example, the, 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 how they paid for that holiday. You sure. don't. So I think it's an, an arrogance to say that we control everything that uh, sure. an employee or a person 
does. You have to respect their time. And finally, if you were to offer a, a single piece of advice to young people, perhaps um, graduating, graduating from the Nottingham Business School this year, uh, starting out on their leadership career today, what, what would that advice be? Um, do things that scare you. That would be my advice. Do things that scare you because that's when you... Take risks. Take risks, yeah. I mean, maybe take... You know, educated risks. Don't don't be don't be ridiculous about it. But if you get an opportunity and it is scary, do it because you'll learn something about yourself. You'll learn something new. You'll probably have fun, um, and you'll 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 you will do things that you didn't think were possible. And the only way that you can do something that is greater than you thought was possible is by trying. Excellent. Do something scary. Do something scary. I mean. I, I tried to live by that, and it's very easy to say, and it's really hard to do. When people have asked me to do things before, um, and they've said, oh, we've got this opportunity, will you come and do this? When when Richard Park rang me and said, will you come to London and, and run the Smooth Network? Um, I said no three times. Um, and it was the fourth time when I said yes. Just as well he was persistent. And just as well he was, yeah, I thought, I better say yes, or not, if not ask again. Because it scared me. It was really a big, scary step. And I was like, I'm not sure I can do this. And don't get me wrong, there were many times in the train coming back that I thought to myself, I, I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm, I really can't do this. Um, but you've got to try it. And you won't know if you try it. And you know, someone else will take that opportunity. And if you think, oh, if you kick yourself and think that, that could have been me, then you should have done it. And so go for it. Go for it. Dick Stone. Thank you very much for joining us here on this episode of the Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast. Mike, thanks very much indeed. If you enjoyed this episode, then why not check out some of the others that are also available, including those with the CEO of Coffee Chain, 200 Degrees, Rob Darby, with the banker, Dr. Heather Melville, or with the chief executive of Nottingham Playhouse, Stephanie Sir. The Nottingham Business School Business Leaders Podcast is produced for Nottingham Trent University by Celtic Tiger Productions. Your presenter was Mike Sassy and your producer was John Collins.